This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm actually on the road, uh, just down the road, a couple hours, uh, my old hometown, Tulsa, Oklahoma, taking the show on the road because my guest today is none other than our Regional Director for Tulsa, uh, Frank Khalil. Welcome, Frank. Hey, Brian. Frank and I have done a lot of life together through the years and uh, got to watch uh, this whole thing unfold in Tulsa together. And uh, and Frank is leading the charge here and it's just seeing it. It's going gangbusters here in Tulsa. So uh, so anyway, um, Frank, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself before we get into our, our topic uh, today? Well, I am a blessed husband to my wife, Julie, of 22 years. Uh, I am a really a proud and humble daddy of uh, my daughter, Grace, who's 15, and my son, Samuel, who's 11. Um, but most importantly, Brian, I'm, because of this journey process and what this ministry is all about and the core heart and mission of it, um, I can say with so much joy in my heart that I am, I am a beloved son of the King of Kings. Mm-hmm. And um, it's such a humble privilege to, as you just said earlier, uh, to be a part of this and what God is doing in and through it. Mm. So, well, and yeah, and we're that's appropriate. I want to remember that because we're talking. That's appropriate to our topic today, uh, which is talking about living it out at home. Uh, which we're we're continuing our journey podcast series. And uh, Frank Frank chose this topic because this is when I, I let all the leaders yep. choose uh, their favorite topic. So Frank chose this one. So before we get into that. Um, so you came in year two in Tulsa, and yes. uh, you uh, were a friend of Jim Holders, who was in my first group when we led the first journey group, and you knew him through Young Life, right? Yep. And uh, yep. you, at the time, you were a, a cop, and yes. uh, and he invited you. And, and I, you know, I, I'll always tell the story about you're the only guy I ever know who asked off for vacation time, like in two-hour increments, you know, just so you could be at the journey meetings. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So talk a little bit about your first experience in the journey. Well, you know, um, I was actually doing undercover narcotics at the time, and Jim Holder, who was uh, like a mentor, I mean, I looked up to this man. We were involved in Young Life together, and just out of the blue one day, he called and said, hey, I need you to come by the office. I have something for you, and it was the journey to the chamber. And I'll never forget it. I mean, he handed me that book, and he said, hey— um, I need you to read this and bring it back so we can talk about it. And I, quite honestly, I laughed and said, well, I'm done doing book reports. That was back in high school days. <laughs> but, you know, I took the book and I did probably what a lot of guys have done. And that is I just let it sit for about two, three months. Um, and this is back in the early days, you know, where we did the journey in the year calendar year. Mm-hmm. So this was towards the end of the year. You know, we had the holidays and I just just forgot about it. And one day I picked it up and I began to read it. And uh, I still tell that story. Um, when I began to read about the refugee who became the learner and all the things that were being described about the man's condition, the condition of the world, um, and really the desire he had to discover his identity, if you will. Um, man, I was looking in the mirror. That was me. You know, and it, it really captivated my heart simply because 
I was a pretty devout, I would say, Christian, you know, um, I mean, I, I was the first one through the doors and the last one out at church every chance I got. Um, anything and everything that came across the pastor's desk for men, I was the first one to sign up. So, you know, I had this desperate desire to grow in my faith walk. But quite honestly, I'd never been discipled. I didn't know what that was. So reading that little book and then going through the journey, yeah, absolutely. Um, the guys picked, you know, Middle of the day, every other Tuesday from 11 to 1, I'm thinking, who does that? <laughs> right. But Jim was, you know, he was his own boss. He owned, run, ran his own business. Mm -hmm. And most of the guys in that group were business owners. Well, then you had this, you know, cop that worked on, you know, military schedule. Right. And this is back in the pager day. So, you know, my life was literally controlled by that pager. Mm. I mean, I missed holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving. I mean, I missed a lot. Because when that thing went off, you had to go. Hmm. But I knew that I knew, Brian, after reading that little allegory story um, and how much I related to it, I just knew. And that was the Holy Spirit really uh, convicted me that, hey, this is your time. This is your time. You need this so that you can go from what I always say, from knowing about me to actually knowing me. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that intimacy mm -hmm. difference. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so um, I did that. And um, I say it all the time, with the exception of giving my life to Christ and marry, marrying Julie, um, it's the greatest decision I've ever made in my life, truly, mm -hmm. was to take that leap of faith. And you're right. Um, <laughs> I walked into my boss's office, again, very military-minded place to work, and I filled out two-hour vacation slips for those two Tuesdays a month. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, I share it often. You know, I was called every nasty name in the book and told there's no way you can work here and do that. Mm. Granted, I had the time. But, you know, I went home and knew that I was probably going to get demoted for doing that. Um, but Julie stood with me and said, hey, God's calling you to this. You must do this. And, you know, we prayed, which, again, is a foundation of who we are as a ministry. Mm -hmm. Right? We start everything with prayer. Right. And interestingly enough, I came in the next day and started clearing my desk. And my commander called me in his office, closed the door, and he was a complete different person. He literally ripped those vacation slips and threw it in the trash and said, hey, you can have your time. You, you give us a lot of your time. I know how important this is to you. You can have your time. Mm. And I'll tell you, man, those, uh, <laughs> those two hours every other Tuesday for that nine months period, um, I mean, it was, it was a life changer. Mm. And here I am, you know, what, 15, 16 plus years later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've never looked back and I'm so grateful yeah. um, for it. I'm, I'm grateful for the, the tiny little sacrifice that at the time I thought was massive. Right. Mm -hmm. But now I look back. I mean, that that was nothing compared to um, what God has done in and through my life and my family. Oh, yeah. yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, man, I could. There's so many stories we could tell about yep. you and just what God's done through you and in you. But uh, I don't want to. I don't want to miss our time on this topic. Um, sure. We've been going through all the uh, main topics of the journey, and I've been had interviewing board members, staff members, all different kinds of people. And uh, so today we talk about uh, the back end of the journey when we start getting in. You know, you, you understand how to abide, and then it's like, oh, now what? Mm -hmm. Well, how do you live it out? You know, and we follow Gabe's example. He was a God seeker. He was a God abider. And then it says he lived it out first with his wife, second with his kids and third to his world. I think right. it said 
he vowed to love his wife like Christ loved the church. He mm. vowed, he vowed to love his kids the way the the father of the prodigal son loved his kids, you know, and uh, and then the rest, the leftovers go to the world after that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. I, you were talking about being a son of the king, and, I, and the word I always use is I think God's a family man. Mm. I'm convinced he's a family yes. man. He Even in the Old Testament, when he had all the lists of all the names, and all, you know, family was important to God from the very beginning, yes. and it still is today. Yes. And so when I first went through the journey, it was refreshing to me that that was part of this curriculum is that you live it out with your home first. Cause I think I, I had seen uh, this abuse so often I'd seen people in ministry, you know, the pastors or, you know, or even businessmen, you know, given their families the leftovers, given everybody else all their time and then getting the family got the leftovers, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then you saw marriages struggling, you see, see kids, yes. you know, not doing that. So, so what does that mean to you that living it out at home you know, to the wife first, the kids second. Talk about that, what it means to you. Well, I have to start with, you know, my own family, right? My own experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very blessed to say today that, um, and I don't say this lightly, that, um, you know, my parents um, on November 23rd, so just last week, the day before Thanksgiving, um, it was their 54th wedding anniversary. Mm. Now, um, I say that, somewhat with a deep sadness in my heart because probably the past 20 years they, they've been roommates. Mm. Um, but still, um, my dad's always been a family man. My family is a family mm-hmm. per se, right? We still believe in the truth of what a family is called to be. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, to me, that's 100% biblical. Mm-hmm. That's That's God's plan. You know, just like we are to not only have a family family, but a church family is a family. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are a family. But the question is, do we do we act like it? Hmm. Do we live like we truly believe that? So I come from a home that my parents believed in the family. You know, really till recent years, I mean, even though I've got five, four siblings, you know, I know some of it is a traditional thing from South America, where we're from, but, you know, on Sundays, we went to mom and dad's house. It didn't matter where you went to church or didn't go to church or what your faith is, what you did for a living. None of those things really mattered. It was critical to all of us and very dear to our hearts that on Sundays, we had lunch at mom and dad's house because we're a family. But, you know, Brian, I've, I've watched that just fade away. And it goes right into the line of what you're saying. I mean, in the condition of our world and what our world's been doing to the word family. Mm-hmm. So when I went through this process and I, for the first time, began to embrace what Gabe was talking about, I thought, man, this is what I've always wanted. But to a, to a much deeper level, and I would say more to a biblical level, if you will, mm-hmm. right? Um, we can call family as, hey, we get together. Twice a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, is that really family? Mm. Right? I think family is so much more than that. And if we want to know the example of family, we should go to Scripture. Mm-hmm. How do you live that out? What does that look like? So for me, it's very near and dear um, to look at Gabe's example and to be able to live that out for my own family. And I say it every time I do a guy training with the guys in this region. Um, if you go through this process and you take nothing else away with you, 
My prayer is that you do take away the fact that your first ministry begins where? At home. Mm -hmm. Because it's about the family. If you can't nurture and protect and love your wife as Christ loved the church, as he, by the way, not suggests it, mm -hmm. he commends it. That's right. If you can't love your children, which we know what our kids are dealing with today, but if you can't love your children as the prodigal father loved his son who took everything, went and wasted it, and then came back and was willing to receive him, then you're missing it, right? So the family is so critical. And for me, it's been so, so critical um, to live that out, beginning with my wife, Julie, and, and my kids. Mm -hmm. Well, and... Um... You know, I, following the, the line of the, the journey, it's like we learned that about abiding and how God will help us remove hindrances. And as we start pressing into him and what happens is we start becoming transformed. We, you know, hopefully, right. The, the fruit of the spirit, if, if yes. we're abiding, the fruit of the spirit should start happening, which empowers our spiritual gifts. And would you would you would agree with the statement that the first place we should use our spiritual gifts is at home? Like Absolutely. that's the first place that we use them before we start thinking about going and starting a new ministry or, or we're serving at church or whatever we think we're supposed to go do. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that was one of the greatest takeaways for me in this process so many years ago was, man, I, I, I'm called and really commanded by the Lord and by his design to live out my faith beginning at home with my family. And as passionate as you and I and so many other guys we know are about this ministry and this process and what we know God is doing in and through it, if we're not living that out beginning at home, we're wasting our time, quite honestly. We're just, you know, I think of like Solomon, we're just chasing after the wind. We're really... You know, we're, we're creating a, an anemic legacy, if there is ever one, because we're not investing that which God says is most critical and important to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and I say this to say that, I mean, I have to say, it, obviously, you know, it starts with our walk with the Lord, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's the critical, pivotal, most important piece of the family unit begins with us as the spiritual leaders of our homes being so healthy, so it's all about you and I having that intimacy with the Father. But second to that. And, and being a son, which is, oh yeah, that, I mean, which oh, you, yeah. you already alluded to. That. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Getting our adoption right. first. And, yeah. and, and embracing that we're no longer orphans, that uh -huh. we are son, beloved sons of the King of Kings, and, right. and really embracing that. Uh -huh. And there's a life change and a heart change that happens when you truly, you know, embrace the fact that you're no longer an orphan. That's right. You're God's precious son. Mm -hmm. But second to that is... He's entrusted us. And, you know, so many of us like you and I, I mean, you know, Missy is not your wife. She is, but she's first God's daughter who's been entrusted to you as your wife to care and nurture. Just like Julie. I mean, that, that's what this help, helped me understand is God has entrusted to me one of his most precious gifts, his daughter. Mm. And he says, Frank, I'm entrusting my daughter just like you've got four of them, right? I've got one, but he's like, he's entrusted his daughter to me to, to care for her. And, and what does that look like? And looking at Gabe's illustration and the way he lived out his life, man, um, you know, the word tells us that we're to hold our wives blemishly to the Lord. Yeah, that's right. To raise them up mm -hmm. before the Lord. Mm -hmm. Well, I never knew 
anything on what that looked like until I went through this. Mm. I mean, I thought loving my wife, being a good husband, right? Being the the Christian husband to my wife was, hey, I provide for her. Mm-hmm. I give her a good home, right? I pay the bills. I try to take the stress. I take her on vacations. I make sure the kids are clothed, right? I thought the the things that I could provide for my family was the answer to being a godly husband. And that is not at all Mm. what Scripture teaches us. I mean, those things, yes, they come. That's part of our responsibility. Mm -hmm. But it's so much more than that. And and I have to allude to what I I share with men all the time, Ryan, in relation to this living it out at home. It's 1 Peter 3, 7 Mm. that we talk about in... God is able. That's right. You know, um, we're, you know, there's so many versions of that, but the one that just sticks to me every time is where it says, you know, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. Yeah. It does not say husbands understand your wives. Right. (laughs) It says that we're to live with them in an understanding way. Mm -hmm. Um, We're to, you know, respect them, love them, honor them. And understand that they're co-heirs with us mm-hmm. in God's grace. Mm-hmm. They're not less than us. Mm-hmm. But that's our responsibility to, to understand that about them. And we're to, you know, treat them in such a way, love them in such a way, like I said, blemishly, raise them up to the Lord so that, and I love those two words in Scripture, so that God is making us a promise, so that there is a virgin that talks about it, so that our prayers will not be hindered. That's right. Right. And, you know, how how often have you and I and so many other men that we know gone through life praying and begging God for circumstances and things going on in our lives and we're getting zero answers? Mm. I mean, it's not that he's not answering. There, you know, We're getting zero answers and we've never stopped long enough to see how we are honoring our wives. Mm. I mean, that's just one of many scriptures that tells us what hindrance our prayers. Right, right. That is certainly one of them. Dishonoring our wives. 100%. Yeah, that's right. You know, so that that's become very near and dear to me to share with other guys out there that, hey, uh, when guys are struggling in their prayer life, I always ask them, how are you treating your wife? How are you honoring your wife according to the word? Mm. And to no surprise, you know, it hits them pretty hard like, whoa. You know, and it's the, it can be the littlest things too, Brian. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I shared this with my journey group just the other day. Um, I remember one time, this has been many years now, thank goodness. Uh, one day, it was a Saturday. Julie was getting ready to leave with the kids. And, you know, my voice was uh, not in a respectful tone, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, to where we were having a conversation about something. And she made sure she got the kids out the door in the car. And she came back in. And here's what she said to me. Hey, Frank, um, I am not three. Mm. In other words, I'm not three years old. Don't speak to me as if I'm a three-year-old. And she walked off. You know, I had two hours to think about that. Mm. And because of this process and what the Word tells us in that scripture of 1 Peter 3, 7, I realized very quickly I was dishonoring, disrespecting my wife and the tone of voice and how I was speaking to her. So um, I realized and recognized that, you know, I needed to deal with 
this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was simply because of this living it out in a home. I knew how important it was that I would have a change of heart and how to honor my wife. Yeah. Now we can get into the kids too, because that's another huge story, right? Yeah. Well, and, and the, but the, I guess the point is that it's, it's impossible to do it the right way if we're not abiding in Christ, right? If, if we're not, if we're doing it in our own flesh, there's no way. No way. There's no, I mean, we can try, you know, you can, you know, it's like the guy kind of who wrote, had to put in his daytimer, love my wife, or, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, he had to be remind, remind himself yeah. to love his wife. Yeah. But if we're abiding in Christ, the love should naturally flow in the first place it should go is that the people closest to us, right? To, yeah. to our wives. Yeah. And, and I love the Ephesians five, you were referring to that. He says, love your wife as Christ loved the church kind of, and how Christ is going to be presenting us as his bride. To right. one day before right. the throne room, similarly, we're supposed to present our wives like, right. like he's going to hold us responsible. Now, keep in mind, there's women out there going through the journey. And I think the same goes for them. Absolutely. How they're treating their husband, Husbands. how they're loving their husbands. Yes. God's going to hold them accountable for that. Yes. And they can't love their husbands the if way they need to if they're not abiding. That is correct. You know, and, and there was kind of a curse with the, with the original sin. And it yeah. says women will have pain in childbirth, yes. but also said, the, the translation says, they'll want to control their husbands. The, the, your, it says your desire will be for your husband. Yep. And, and the original language is desire to control your husband. Yep. And, you know, how many times have you seen issues with that? Oh, you know, yes. I mean, men disrespecting their wives, women, same thing, you know, trying yes. to control their husbands and all that. So Absolutely. it goes both ways, Yes, you know, and none of it's possible without abiding. But, but you're right. Um, the kids are beneficiaries. First of all, I think they're beneficiaries of a good marriage. 100%. You know, if, if the marriage isn't tight, the kids suffer. And we've seen the fallout of that, you know, over and over again. But but then also as a man or as a woman, you know, God wants us to minister to our children. He wants us to make disciples of our of our children, don't you think? I mean, absolutely. Well, absolutely. And, and again, that plays a role in why it is so critical that we understand how we're called to live it out in the home first. Yes. You know, and I know you know this. Um for so long, at least this was my personal experience, I felt like I was putting the wagon ahead of the horse, right? I was running to a building. I was signing up for everything at the church to do, 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 work, work, while the entire time neglecting my first ministry. I mean, how much of that do we see today, still, till this day? We go, 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 do, 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 everywhere else, but at home. Mm-hmm. And we think, well, but I'm still doing good things. I'm still doing things for the Lord. I mean, does that not count? But the reality is there is a purpose and a reason why God, does, God designed it the way he did, where it should begin with the family, begin at home. It should begin with your marriage covenant being first and foremost and what you invest in. Your children, right? Um, you're 100% right. I mean, our kids... You know, they're going to live out that which they see and experience in the home. Mm. And I mean, I'm just now beginning to realize in my own raising my children who are 15 and 11 that, you know, um, what's the saying? If words are needed, use them. Most often, I don't even have to say anything. Yeah, it's pre- by, preach the gospel, use it. words if necessary. It's that's by, right. it's by right. how you live your life. So yeah. how, how, what does that look like in the home? Well, in relation to my kids is how I love their mother says everything to them that they need to know. Yeah. Most of the time. 
Yeah. It's by how I love them, how, how I walk with her, how I treat her, how I speak to her, how I pray with her. Yeah. I mean, the littlest things, um, that speaks all that they need to know about how they're going to live their lives. Mm-hmm. So the home is so critical, you know, and again, I've had the opportunity once again, because of this process to not only learn how to love Julie well, but know how to love my children well and, 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 and truly, you know, focus and take to heart what the word says that, you know, train up a child in the way they should go so that what, when they grow, they don't depart from it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're not going to mess up, but if you train them up in the ways of the Lord, which starts with you and your walk, mm-hmm. living it out, then we can rest secured in God's promises because that's God's promise that when they grow, they will not depart from it. It doesn't say they won't mess up. They won't go astray. They won't make choices just like the prodigal son did, but they will always return. Mm. So we're called to train them up. And how many dads and even moms, I mean, are completely ignoring how critical it is that we're the ones responsible, Mm -hmm. right? It's what we, I think it's part of what we call it in the journey. It's a sacred responsibility for you and I to train up our children in the ways of the Lord. Yeah. It's not anybody else's responsibility. It's not the church's responsibility. It's ours. Mm -hmm. Starting with us as the father, as a spiritual leader, and our spouses, our wives, to train them up. That's on us. And it's harder work. You know, I mean, it's easier just to ignore it or just put our kids in a private Christian school and hope that they'll do that or the youth group will do the work. No, he wants us to to be doing that that work. And I I remember remember one time I was uh, a few years into the journey and, and I was just feeling the love of the Lord one morning um, after the kids were off at school. And all of a sudden he reminded me of, of some harsh word, the way I treated my daughter mm-hmm. harshly. And I was just cut to the heart. And I mean, I drove to the school and checked her out and took her to go get breakfast and just to apologize to her, whatever. And I mean, I was just with tears in my eyes, you know, and that, but it was out of that my love, his love for me and just convicted me, cut me to the heart. And I thought, I want to love her more the way he's mm-hmm. loving me. And, you know, so but we gotta we gotta add action to our faith, right? We gotta yeah. like sometimes you gotta do extra things. You gotta help your kids with their homework, the, the late night science fair project when you're tired and don't yes. want, you know all those kind of things. You know, yes. just so uh, there's opportunities every day. You know, and it, but it's but it, it's it's hard. It's work. You know, and just but it, but uh, but it goes it goes back to your your main point, right? Of of really this lesson. None of these things are possible without an intimate abiding relationship with the Father. That's right. That's right. I mean, I don't care which direction you go with whatever topic you want to talk about in life. Mm-hmm. If we don't take the time to embrace what Jesus was teaching those initial disciples before he went to the garden and ultimately the cross, that look, I mean, right, it's the core of who we are in this ministry. And it's become so near and dear to us. It's that John 15, 4, 5 scripture mm-hmm. that, we, you know, if you abide, right, he remains and we bear fruit. If we don't, I mean, I tell guys all the time, don't complicate it. This is not that difficult to understand. It's pretty simple language. If you abide, he remains and you bear much fruit, abundant mm-hmm. fruit mm-hmm. that apart from it, you can do nothing. And you can, that's in relation to how you love your spouse, how you raise up your children, love your children, how you invest in your family. Mm-hmm. And that's what Gabriel's all about. Yeah. It has to begin. It has to start there. 
I mean, there, there's no other options if you want to see the family unit, you know, succeed in God's plan and design. That's right. Not That's in the world's plan and design, but God's plan and design. The only way it can happen is through an abiding relationship. And guess who gets to, you know, um, firsthand and has the opportunity to show our children what an abiding relationship looks like? That's right. That's us. Moms and dads. Yeah. It starts with us. So uh, that is so critical in this lesson, if you will, um, that we embrace, like I said earlier, if, if nothing else, when we walk away from going through this process is where does our ministry begin mm -hmm. in living it out, right? Yeah. I mean, we're trusting him more. We're abiding in him. We know how he's enabled us with our spiritual gifting. Where's the first place that should be lived out? I hope those who are listening today don't miss it, that it's to be lived out at home. And that's not your idea mm. or Rocky's idea or the books and this material. No, that's God's idea. That's scriptural. It begins in the home. Yeah. And, and we need to be about that. And Frank, I know that you're so passionate about this that you even tell people, don't guide a journey group if, if your home's not in order. If there's something, if Correct. you need to be spending more time at home and more time working on your marriage and with your kids and getting in the Word together, don't guide a journey group. Take a break you know, and work on that first, you know, and, and I love that. Well, you know, Ju Julie would be the one to tell you, you know, I mean, we all have, you know, amazing victory days in ministry. And I can tell you one of them for them, for me, is always the season of guy trainings before the group starts, right? And I get to walk guys through this simple process of how to lead a group. Um, you know, at the end, I always, after we're done with all of that, we they get it. We put everything aside and, and I take the opportunity to ask them two questions. One is, how is your soul? And that's always an easy one, especially for guys that just been through it a few times. You know, it's kind of like they're coming down from the camp high. They're so pumped because they've discovered something very new and fresh and their hearts have been changed. So that's easy for them. How is my soul? My soul is on fire. I'm journaling. I'm walking with the Lord. That's awesome. But it's always interesting when I ask that second question, which is, how is your first ministry? Um, I'm not a big statistic numbers guy, but I can tell you from my own experience right here in this region, 30% or more of the guys who are on fire for Jesus and discovering what it means to abide, don't know how to answer that question. Mm. How is your first ministry? So again, I get an opportunity to help them understand that, hey, it begins at home. You know, and sometimes some of them get upset with me when I say what you just said. Hey, you know what? Maybe this is a time for you to take to invest in your first ministry before you ever lead a group. It's okay. Right? Because again, we're not a ministry of numbers. We're a ministry of going, as we always say, start small, pray big, go deep. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, then you don't worry about all of that. That's right. But the victory days are those moments when a day or two goes by and that guy calls me and says, Hey, you know, it really upset me when you said, you know, asked me the question, How was my first ministry? And I didn't know how to answer it. And you helped me understand all that. But, you know, I gave some thought to that, Frank. And you know what? I'm going to sit this one out. Those are victory days. Why? Because they're investing in their first ministry. Mm. And the reality is we don't really know, Brian, whether you're, a, you know, 
a guy leading a men's journey group or a lady leading a ladies' journey group. We don't really know what's going on at home. Right. Right? We we as as sinful creatures in this world, we've we've mastered how to put on a mask. Yeah. Yeah. We're very good at that. True. We've all done it. So we really don't know. So we have to take those opportunities to challenge folks to go, hey, I mean, again, everything we say and do, right, has to be backed with scripture. It's scriptural. Can't tell you exactly where it is, but you know, we are to have our house in order. Mm-hmm. Is your house in order? Because if it's not, look, it's okay. Take the time to invest, as Gabe says, in your living it out in your first ministry, which is your home. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't do that well, you sure ain't going to do what the next session is about, which is live it out to your world. How are you going to live it out to your world if, you can't, if you're not even living it out in your home? Which, again, that's the putting the wagon ahead of the horse. Yeah. I think we've all done that for, for many, many years. We want to go live out our faith to the world while we're neglecting our homes. That's right. But that's not biblical. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And again, all of that would not do what it's called to do if we're not taking the time to have an abiding relationship. It starts with that. Well, and I know we're almost out of time here, but uh, what I would say, you know, we say experience trumps theory. And all the I've led a lot of journey groups you have too. I have seen marriages healed. Yes. I have seen kids getting their dads back. Yes. I've seen families healed by going through this process when men start to abide or women start to abide. I've seen amazing things happen. So this is this is truth. I mean, this is this is beautiful. And you see it happen in a journey group sometimes in the nine month process. You'll see and we hear reports. You're right. We don't know what's really going on at home, but sometimes wives will come and and tell us. They'll come up and seek us out to thank us or, you know, or a kid will talk about something that happened with his dad or something, you know. And so we do get some reports, which is pretty cool. Victory days, like I said. Well, we're seeing a lot of it, as you know. Uh We're seeing lives being changed, marriages, homes. I mean, we're seeing the church being changed. That's right. That's right. Right. The big C church. That's right. Right. We're not here to condemn. We're here to build the church. That's right. That's that's what discipleship is for. That's why Jesus did what he did with those men for three years and said, now go and do as I've taught you. Mm. And that's what we're about, you know, so. Well, and, and there is an enemy that doesn't want, you know, it doesn't want us having healthy families. And so this is why, you know, it might, it's easy for you and I to say, let's pray together. But you say, I'm going to pray with my wife. And all of a sudden there's all these distractions trying to keep you from praying with your your spouse or with your kids or to do family devotionals. I don't know if you've had an yeah. experience. But oh, yes. It can be one of the most difficult things to happen. Yeah. You can you can press through and make it happen if you yeah. you persevere a bit. There's an enemy that doesn't want this to happen. Yeah. Well, I, I want to leave the listeners with this one thought that's it's usually difficult for me to speak about, but I, I feel like the Spirit wants me to say it. You know, in those 17 plus years of doing police work, um, and you know lots of my stories in doing that, um, I know what it's like To pull a a 13-year-old kid out of a house with bullet holes, lifeless, dead. Mm. I know what that looks like. This is a kid that, you know, lives in the gang world, in the rough parts of town, so on and so forth. But then all the way across town on the other side, where you've got, you know, the successful folks, if you will. Yeah. I also know what it's like to pull a 13-year-old kid whose daddy has a corner office Mm. 
and is lifeless because he overdosed and he's gone. Mm. The common denominator between those two boys, they're both fatherless. Mm. This is a pandemic that we've had for centuries. They're both fatherless. The one kid over here, his daddy was a gang member and he's in prison or dead. He still doesn't have a daddy. Mm -hmm. This other kid over here, his dad is successful and runs a multi-million dollar company. And he invests all of his time in chasing after that and being successful and forgotten about his kid, just like that dad who's joined the gangs. And he doesn't have a daddy. Mm. And they're both gone. Mm. Why? Fatherlessness mm. has been a pandemic for a long time. So... Um, when I think of Gabe's story and what this process is all about and what it does, it fires me up and reminds me that we need dads to be dads, as the Word calls us to be. That's right. Just like we need moms to be moms, Yeah. just yeah. as the Word calls them to. Um, that's the first ministry, and that changes everything. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and the, as we said earlier, before we even start recording— you can't be a, a good father until you're a son. That's correct. <laughs> so, you have to learn to be a son in order to be a father. That's right. That's right. Yep. That's right. Well, hey, thanks, Frank. I, I'm glad you shared that last part because that, that is so true. So true. Well, um, our time is up. But thank you, Frank, for your for being my guest today and uh, for all that you're doing here in Tulsa. We, we love you and uh, just so excited to, to be in this ministry together with you. So... This is uh, the Influencers Network podcast. And uh, if you've missed any of our Journey podcast series, go to the website and you can find all the other uh, episodes we've done. And uh, we're getting down to the tail end of it. Uh, it's also on anywhere that you want to stream podcasts, Google, Spotify, Apple. Uh, we're actually uh, out there on all those uh, different platforms as well. So anyway, and if you want to learn more about the ministry, go to influencers.org and uh, all sorts of information on how to join Journey groups and uh, guide training and all those kind of things as well. So hope uh, hope you're out there uh, finding everything you need where you live. And, uh, and if, if there's no journey groups where you live, there's virtual groups where you can get plugged in uh, virtually through Zoom as well. So anyway, uh, my name is Brian Craig and I'm executive director for Influencers Global Ministries. And this has been the Influencers Network podcast. I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.